Glad you're here with us today. Happy Father's Day. And this has been quite a weekend for so many reasons. You know it's a little bit hot in here, and part of that is because all the air conditioning's not working. So I've been told to talk fast, so I'll try to talk really fast today, okay? But we have had crews that have been working and trying to figure out the setup, and they are volunteers that have given up this weekend to help to make sure that this service happened. And we are so thankful for all that they have been doing and, and have worked so hard. We cannot do it without a volunteer crew and folks that are doing this, not just for themselves, but doing it for you and doing it for the Lord. And we are so thankful for that. Today we continue on with our series that we've been talking about, The Lord Is. And today it seems obvious we would go with, The Lord is our Father. Because obviously he's our Father, and in that great scripture reading that Gibson gave us today, in that what we usually call the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Those two key words right there, not just Father, but our Father. Not some distant God off somewhere, but our Father that we completely depend on for everything, all the way down to the bread that we eat, our Father. And so today, we give him praise, and we thank him for what he does, and we focus today particularly on our Father who is in heaven. But you know, I don't know if you're this way. Most of us are, that most of us, when we think about God, we somehow relate it to our earthly fathers. And if you had a good father, you probably have some positive thoughts about God, and you may have some positive and some negative. And some of you that maybe had a, had a dad that left you, abused you, abandoned you, wasn't kind to you, whatever, you may have some very negative thoughts about God. But let me tell you, God is not your earthly father. Your earthly father is not God, but instead we have this incredible father, as Sean talked about and as Scott talked about, who is perfect and does not sin. This father that is above all and perfect in every way is our father. We could go to a lot of movies and think about a lot of movies that talk about this relationship because there are tons of them, but I want you to know this morning on this slide, this is not your father, okay? It is not Darth Vader, some of you may feel like you were raised by Darth Vader, okay? But our Heavenly Father is not evil. Our, definitely, our Heavenly Father is not on the dark side. Our Heavenly Father is the one that created light and is light and loves light and wants us to be in that light. So this morning we look at this, our Father is God. And that's incredible. We're going to talk about that more next Sunday. But our Father is God. He is the creator, the sustainer of the world. To think about what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, for example, in verse 1, he says, John says, See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. The world doesn't know our Father, therefore it doesn't know us. But I want you to hear this. This part ought to make you get kind of tingly when you think about it. You realize that God is the eternal one, always has been, is, and always will be. That is our God. He is the one that is greater than all of the military force of all time put together in one. He's greater than all those things. It's like a drop in a bucket. He is greater than all the world economies. He is greater than anything you can imagine times a gazillion. He's greater than... And he says, we are that being's children. And then so we really get it. He says, and we are. We really are that 
is our Father, and that is the reason that you're here this morning before you go off for a big lunch somewhere, or maybe you go home to, to sandwiches, I don't know, but that's the reason you got up this morning. Our Father gives good blessings. Now that is redundant, I realize, to say good blessings, I get that, but I don't want you to miss the point because we use the word blessing so much. I want you to understand that what God gives us is good. Everything God gives us is good. Every good and perfect gift, according to the Bible, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so it is God that gives those good things. It is, it is not God that gives bad things. Now, he may discipline us sometimes, but God gives all good things. And like the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Did you hear that? Our Father loves us. And what has he given us? Eternal encouragement, hope. Did you know that psychologists say, even psychologists who weren't religious say, that one of the needs, just like food and water and air are needs, that one of the needs that humans have is hope. And do you know what God gives? God gives hope. Every other being or thing that we might think is important, our job or education or whatever we, our nation, whatever we imagine, all those things have an ending point. But God's hope never ends. He gives us a hope into something that is forever, that finally hope will be realized. You think about what God gives. When we talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit, for example, which comes from God, you know some of those things that He gives, like peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control. You know about those things? Those things are godly. Those things are like our Father. Our Father is peaceful. Our Father is good. Our Father is gentle. Our Father is self-controlled. These things are our Father, and this is what our Father gives us. Now, you may have been raised by a father that was not good. You may have been raised by a father, father that wasn't gentle. You may have been raised by one that didn't show any self-control. That is not God. Do not put that on God. Do not put the, the problems of your father on him. Do not transfer them. And I pray that my girls don't transfer my negative qualities onto God as well. God is perfect. God is completely good. The only thing that is completely pure is God and His Son and the Spirit. That's who God is. And so He gives us these good blessings. And our Father has a heart of compassion. Now, maybe you didn't grow up with a father that seemed very compassionate. When your, if your father was not one that was compassionate, he was not one, at least in that area of his life, he was not looking like God at that point. The God that we serve, the Father that we have, is full of compassion. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his, once again we come back to the word, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Christ, by grace you have been saved. Those aren't my parentheses, they're in the scripture there. By grace you have been saved. Because of his mercy, because of his love, when we were dead and couldn't do anything about it, he's the one that made us alive. This is our Father. This is the one who we want to hear, I am your Father, and this is who he is, the one that loved us when we maybe even didn't love ourselves, the one that had mercy on us when maybe we didn't have any mercy on ourselves, the one that made us alive when we had no way to make ourselves to come back alive again. He does that. Our God is full of compassion. Now for me personally, then this next one, is one of the most important. Our Father notices us. Do you hear those words? Our Father in heaven notices us. I think about the scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, that says, but even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Matter of fact, every day he has a new count for me, and it's lower than the day before. The hairs of your head have been counted, and he talks about sparrows that fall, and he knows whenever the birds die that he cares that much, and I care more about you even than that. Is what Jesus says about his Father, our Father. He cares about you, and he is involved in your life. How many fathers are there in the world that have just walked out on their kids? How many fathers have abandoned their families? How many fathers in the name of work, but really it was more in the name of themselves, have not been home to be with their kids? And that sometimes kids can feel either intentionally or unintentionally like they're forgotten and that they don't care, that they're just in the way. But our Father, the one that created this world, the one that is above everything, the all-powerful one that we talked about in the beginning, that was, is, and will be, that one, He notices us. And He cares. And I have to say that if He's worried about a little bird dying, that He's worried about us when we go through struggles. He has not abandoned us. We are not just part of a big mass of people, but yet individually, He cares about us as people and as his children he's involved and notices those things there was a study you can find gazillions of these but there is a study that came out a year or two ago from the university of wisconsin about the importance of positive father involvement when a father is involved personally in their children's lives children will have higher academic levels they will be stronger in math and verbal skills they will have greater emotional security, they will have higher self-esteem, they will have more social confidence, and they will have fewer behavioral problems if the father is involved in their lives and notices them. We all want a dad that does that, if we are children, and if we may long for a dad who didn't do that, or maybe we have great feelings toward a dad that did do that, and that's wonderful. We have a lot of great dads in this church, and we have a lot of programs and, and ministries to help our dads be even better than what they are. We have a program called Faithful Fathering, for example. But our father, he notices. He is genuinely concerned with me, of all people. 
one out of eight billion people on the planet, and then you count all the rest of the people who've ever lived, he cares about me, and he cares about you too. It is not like you are just a number. He knows you and even knows the hairs on your head. Our Father wants what is best for you. He is not saying, you know what? I'm going to find how to make their life miserable. That's not who God is. God is good. God wants you to succeed. There are people out there, it is hard to believe, there are dads out there that want to see failure, but not your God, not your Father. Your Father wants you to do well. He is not sitting there just waiting for you to make a mistake. You know what that's like? Have you ever been around somebody that just as soon as you make a mistake, they catch it like that every time, every time, every time? Drives you nuts, doesn't it? And some of you may have that feeling about God that that is what God is doing, and that is not what God is doing. God wants what is best. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, starts out with this beautiful word again, grace. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that is something to stop and think about, that this is who our Father is, that our Father <coughs> is, a man, is a being of grace and a being of peace and one that gave up Himself along with His Son Jesus for us. That is incredible. When you think about that, he wants what is best. He wants us to be saved, even when we can't save ourselves, even when we're dead in our own trespasses. Our Father went to, to extraordinary lengths for us. He went about it as far, I guess, as you can say you could go. He gave his Son, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. For God loved that much. God loves us so much that he gave his son. You know, whenever I, was, whenever I was younger, and I would hear this, and a kid sitting out in the pews, and I would hear about this God giving his son, I would think, well, how hard would that be? I mean, he didn't do it himself, right? But now that I'm a father, I tell you what, the hardest thing to do is to give your kid, not to give yourself. And Jesus, and God, gave his son Jesus. He gave His Son because we were worth it, because He wanted us to be saved. He wanted to rescue us from our sins. And so He gave Jesus as that perfect sacrifice to die for us so that we could live. He went to the most extraordinary lengths anyone could go to, more than in any world religion, any other world-type God or goddess has ever done, our God, Yahweh, has done that, sending his son Jesus for us. Our Father is one that has mercy on us. And if you had a father that it felt like didn't show much mercy, don't put that on God. Because God is a God of mercy. As the Bible says as well, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This doesn't mean that God is a pushover. It doesn't mean that God wants you to just run wild. 
but it also means that God is going to show you mercy. He's not out to get you. Now, I've used what I'm about to share with you before. Matter of fact, I remember the first Father's Day sermon I ever preached here. I talked about the story I'm about to tell you. 17 years ago, I told this story. But when I was very young, I was just out of college, and I was working in this office, and there was a young woman working in that office that I thought was she was really young because she was like three years younger than me. And so I thought she was like a, a child. You know, I was like 22 at the time. And so I thought she was really young. Anyway, we were talking about God. And she was telling me that she really didn't relate to God very much and really didn't like God very much. And, and this is a girl who grew up in what we would call a Christian home. And I said, you know, I said, I just think of God as my father. I said, it's just so wonderful to think of. He, you know, even though my dad had died when I was a kid, he was a great dad up until he passed, passed away. And I'm just like, he's just so great. I mean, God is so good and loving and caring and wants us. I just imagine that for God. And I still remember her sitting there. I'm sitting at the desk. She's standing up. And she says, well, let me tell you about my dad. She said, I was given up for adoption because neither my dad nor my mother wanted me. And I went into a family and lived with that family for a while until my dad left my mother for another man and we never saw him again. I don't think much of dads. Wow, I was completely speechless. I was completely, completely speechless because all I could imagine was this beautiful view of a father that I realized I was putting on God the attributes of my dad. But God is so much greater, first of all, than my dad is. But secondly, the only thing I could come back to, or not then because I didn't know what to say, but was weeks or months later and say, look, your dad or dad's, that is not who God is. God is the father you always wanted. And God is the father you've always had and didn't realize you had. That's, these men were not your, your heavenly father. Your heavenly father is perfect and everything you ever longed for, that's who he is. He is a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He's a God who wants the best for you. That's who our God is. So, so what does God want from me. Some people are going, okay, well, well, what's the catch? You know, there's a missing piece here. So God loves me. Isn't that nice? And that's what you'd expect if you don't usually go to church. You know, God is love and those kind of things. What does God want from me? This is what he wants. He wants a loving relationship with you. Not just relationship, but loving relationship. Now, I can't say for where you grew up or how you grew up, but I can tell you how I grew up. I grew up, we didn't use this word relationship very much. As a matter of fact, we kind of looked down on that, and we said what God wants you to do is follow his commands. Well, he does want you to follow his commands, but I can tell you what he wants. He wants a relationship with you, otherwise he wouldn't let his one and only son die for you, okay? He does want that, absolutely. Think about the scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 17 through 19. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, this word saints means Christians, like us. We would be called saints. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, I want you to know how much I love you. 
I want you to know how much, how big God's love is. It is so long you, you can't get to the end of it. It's so tall you can never climb to the top of it. This is who God is. He says, I want you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you. I want to enjoy you. I want, I want to be with you through eternity. I want you. And yet so many of us, we look the other way and say, isn't that nice? It's all church talk. It's not church talk. It is God talk. And it is talk from our Father, our Heavenly Father, that really wants us. All this stuff is real. And He really wants to be with us. I think about what he says, what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 when a man comes up to him and says, what are the greatest commandments? You know these commandments, you've heard them. Let me just read them to you today. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself and there is no other command greater than these. Let me tell you what, that is a God, that is a Father that wants a relationship. He said, I want you to love, and I want to love you. I love you with, with love that is so deep and wide, and that's what I want back from you. You know, often I have the privilege of getting to, to perform weddings for couples, and often they're back over in our chapel, and it's always an honor and kind of fun to do that and we stand in the in the on the stage there sometimes it's in here and and I get in one place and the bride on one side the groom on the other do you know what the bride is expecting from the groom she's expecting the groom to love her with all of his heart and with all of his mind with all of his soul with all of his strength and do you know what the groom is expecting from the bride he is expecting her to love him with all of his heart and soul and strength and mind. They want to really love each other. Now, that love for God is even greater than that. But God is not asking too much whenever he asks us in this relationship to love him with our whole beings. Can you imagine at a wedding if someone were to say, I want you to know that I, you know, I, I kind of love you a lot with my heart. Yeah, for a little bit, yeah, yeah. I don't know, probably 78%. You don't want to hear that, right? You want to hear 100%? That is, that is the same with God. He is saying in this relationship, it is 100%, and if you could go higher, I'd say 100%, uh, more than 100. God loves us with everything, and he wants us to love him with everything. This is our Father. This is a Father that loves us so much. This ought to be... When we think about a father like this, this ought to let us sleep at night when we worry. This ought to be something that gives us comfort during the day whenever, whenever we're having a rough time. Whatever is happening, I know I have that loving father there. Even if whatever's happening in the hospital room or the courtroom or wherever is scary and, and feels like people are against me, I know who's by my side. It is a loving father who is right there who loves me with every bit of, bit of himself. Always loves me, always wants to give me mercy, always there. So here's my question for us today. Will I love him back? Will I love him back? Because he loves me. Even when I'm far away, he loves me. Most of you know the parable in the Bible, Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, but let me share it with you very quickly. You have a father has two sons, an older son, a younger son. The younger son decides, hey, I want, I want my part of the inheritance now. 
Now, you may know, if you already know the story, if you've read it and had heard sermons on it or studied it, you know that what he is saying is the equivalent of, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me the inheritance now. The inheritance is probably mostly in land, which means that the dad has to sell part of his farm or whatever he owns, part of his land, that he can't get back again. You know, they're still fighting over these things in the Middle East, right? And so he can't get back again, so he takes... He sells his whatever it is, and he gives inheritance to his younger son who goes off to a far-off country and spends it in wild living, as the Bible says. He has parties and wild friends, and he is the guy, he is, the, he is probably the, the leader of the party. And it is all gone. And a Jewish boy finds himself feeding pigs. There is irony there, Right? feeding pigs and thinking, wow, maybe I could go home to my father and live as a slave. And he's so sorry, he sounds like, from where he is, and he starts the long journey home. And then you find out that that father, who represents God, that that father has been waiting for that son the whole time. He is looking out the window. He has, the father has never stopped loving his son even though his son doesn't want anything to do with him, even though his son is wasting what his father has worked for all these years, he has never stopped loving him. And the father waits, and there comes that son, and the son has a speech prepared, and before the son can even give out, get out the speech, the father has hugged him and speaks over him, and he says, my son is home, go kill the fatted calf, we're having a party tonight, give him new clothes, give him, give him new shoes to wear, give him a ring to wear, we are, what, what was lost is now found, my son is back. That's our father right there. He didn't make him a slave. Instead, what he did was he made him a son again. Our father wants us back. Our father wants us to be faithful to him. So this morning, if you are ready to start the life and be a son or daughter of God, to be baptized into Jesus, your faith is strong. You believe in him, and you are ready to come to Jesus. You can be baptized in him even this morning and you can come when we sing or you can talk to me in the foyer and we'll figure all of that out. And you will be baptized into love, into Jesus and raised up a new person, sins forgiven, gift of the Holy Spirit, part of his kingdom. It's incredible, the blessings that God gives. But oh, so many of us may be far away from the Father and some of us may be on the road to getting there. And what I'm telling you today is don't give up the Father. Keep going toward the Father. Keep going toward the one that truly loves you, that does not hurt you, does not want bad for you, but instead wants to give you mercy and wants to wrap his arms around you and love you. Come this morning as we stand and sing.